CJ Draper back here with another episode of the Draper Dialogues podcast. Today we're bringing you part one of our two-part interview with the tag team known as the Renaissance Revolution, the Renaissance Ricky Norin and the revolutionary Bill Williams. These are two interesting fellas inside and outside the ring. They're very, very creative in their presentation and I enjoyed getting to hear a bit more about what motivates them as wrestlers, especially with the uh, shutdown we're currently experiencing throughout our sport here of independent pro wrestling and certainly within the AWF. Here's part one with the Renaissance Revolution on the Draper Dialogue. The Renaissance Ricky Norton and the revolutionary Bill Williams, the Renaissance Revolution. Fellas, how are you hanging in there with this new normal, uh, to use the cliche, that we found ourselves in? It's great to do some wrestling stuff here, DJ. I'd rather be in the squared circle with uh, Ricky taking on some some opponents. But uh, if we can't be in the squared circle, I'm glad we can be on the Draper Dialogues with yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Ricky, how about you? Uh, plenty of artwork there and other such endeavors keeping you busy? Oh, yeah, I've been doing a little of this and a little of that. Honestly, I got back into some card collecting. This what do we got art. there? That was like this a magic is... trick. Whoa. <laughs> check, this. No, check this one out. Montreal Expo sticker. Oh. And now it's That's in Canada. Yep. Any any gum in any of those? Yeah. I got, a, I got two packs of 81 Fleer basketball, and they each had a stick in it. And it still smelled okay, so I was tempted to try, but I didn't. Yeah. Bill, I see you got the, the truly there. Is that right? Is that uh, we cheating on the regular old dinner? Yeah, I wanted to go to the liquor store today and uh, get, get some get some claws. But, uh, you know, with with all the COVID craziness and the racial unrest, I kind of had to reach into the back of the fridge and take a little of, of what was there. And it, it's not too bad. Truly lemonade hard seltzer. Only one gram of sugar, but it tastes like there's 70. So I don't know if that's good or bad. But Corn syrup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keeping those farmers in business. There we go. All right. So how about we start with this? Uh, what made you two want to be wrestlers? Ricky, we'll start with you. Were you a fan your whole life? Was this something one day you just decided you wanted to hop into somewhere in between? Uh, tell us your path in regards to your uh, path here into the AWF and pro wrestling. Always been a fan. I started watching when I was six. When I was a little kid. I watched Wrestling Challenge on Channel 4. And then my dad would tell me about, about the AWA and all the stories of him meeting people up in Northeast. And that, it was just natural for me to fall into it with my family and everything. And then uh, I wanted to, I really thought about doing it like maybe six years ago. But it wasn't until the, I saw an ad for the Academy on Facebook that they were going to open up. And it's like, hey, first class, tuition's uh, only 1000 I'm like, all right, I'm doing it. And that was pretty much it. Funny you mentioned that wrestling challenge there on Channel 4. Didn't that air on Saturday mornings at like 11 a.m. or something? I think that was the first wrestling that we had uh, as far as I was growing up anyway. And then I remember uh, moving to somewhere without cable. And then all we had was... Old WCW uh, on Channel <laughs> Nine, and because worldwide, yeah, exactly. Because I don't think we even yeah, had but... any WWF over the air. So mm-hmm. just a fun trip back down memory lane into my old life here as a wrestling fan. But we're not here to talk about that. Bill, 
How about you? Uh, what was your path into the squared circle? Kind of the same story as Rick there. I started watching when I was around five or six. Big Bret Hart fan. Used to cry when the bad guys cheated. And uh, wanted to be a wrestler my whole life. Nowhere in Minnesota to train. Always, whenever you inquired to people about where to go to get trained, it was always Chicago and Philadelphia. And I just wasn't at a point in my life where I could do it. But uh, then the Academy School of Professional Wrestling, Ken Anderson, uh, Sean Devari opened up. And I wasn't in the first class with Rick there, but I was in class Charlie, the third class, the best class. Um, if we were to go through the rosters and probably, yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I'll have to say that's pretty good one. It's, it's, it's good stuff. And yeah, Karanoia, JDX, Coda Jacobs, lots, uh, lots of recognizable names from class Charlie there. More broadly, what do you folks, if you had to describe what the Academy has done for wrestling here in the state of Minnesota, how would either of you explain that? Well, I mean, think about, you know, think about like the last show you went to maybe before uh, before this whole COVID-19 scene uh, kind of rained on our parade. And uh, think about the wrestlers you saw. How many of those wrestlers were trained at the academy? My guess is at least half of them. And I've been on shows where the locker room is, you know, close to 100% academy trained wrestlers. And so... I mean, I, I, I don't even really know what the scene was like all that much before the Academy, but it's hard to even imagine it because the scene is so flooded with Academy graduates now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, that's, that's the truth. And you two have some unique personas here, shall we say, with both your tag team and each of you individually Ricky, the Renaissance, Norin, uh, tell us about uh, what or who has inspired you to drive you this far uh, toward your path? Oh, nice shirt there, uh, Bill. You got that on on camera. Good work. It's a shirt press. Yeah. Plug that one later. Huh. Well, when I when I first started training, I kind of had the idea that uh, there's there's not really a good like heel or anything like that. That's like a like an art student or some kind of a like like i was trying to portray a lot of people that i met when i actually myself went to art school i went to u of m morris so it was like not really an art school but you know had an art program and everything but i met people through ncad stuff and there were a lot of interesting characters and i thought somebody's got to do this in wrestling so i just naturally just thought of that i remember talking to davari about it he said it was a pretty good idea i decided to keep my name because uh Nobody else is named Ricky Norn that I know, so I'm like, yeah, that's good enough. Bill, how about you? I'm I'm a committed revolutionary, Deej. I don't know what else to tell you. I, I've got I'm reading the biography of Vladimir Lenin right now. I'm about 200 pages in. I've got you know the great Karl Marx sitting right here <laughs> next to next to my desk, reminding me about the superiority of the socialist system. I've got biographies of Che Guevara and Malcolm X staring right at me on my bookshelf over here. And uh, I, I want to be like them, carry on that revolutionary tradition uh, just inside of a pro wrestling ring. Well, if we get comments on... If we get comments on this Facebook feed here 
Are you going to chime in and potentially argue philosophically with those who may dare disagree? Anything to destroy capitalism, DJ. <laughs> and of course, what would pro wrestling be without <laughs> capitalism, of course? <laughs> uh, so the two of you, uh, what uh, brought you two together as a tandem, the Renaissance Revolution? What was the what was the spark between the two of you that just made you both connect and decide we got to team up with one another inside the ring? We're old. Yeah. 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 And the other old guy retired. Yes, too. So. Well, elaborate a bit on that, if you don't mind me asking. I know that when folks think of old in wrestling, they look toward guys like Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan or even Macho Man as he was getting older, still hanging on the top. You, you two aren't approaching your 50s, are you? I'm closer than I'd like to be, Deej. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess the way to put it is is we're we're old to be new, you know. Rick and I are are both in our thirties. We're both what are you three years in the game yet, Rick? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm two and a half. So we're old to be new wrestlers, and mm -hmm. uh, because we're, we're, we're DDPs. Yeah, we're DDPs. We're DDPs. Batistas. Yeah, and uh, so that that you know, kind of affects our approach to the game. It affects our approach to tag team wrestling. We have to rely more on our, you know, our brains and our lived experiences as opposed to our agility and smarter, not hard that only young people have. And so I think we work well together for that reason. We're kind of, we're in the same ship and it's, it's sinking rapidly. So with tag team wrestling, as a whole, it's kind of gone up and down, ebbed and flowed in popularity, in utilization at all levels, I guess. There was a time in WWF back in the 80s where it was, was just stacked with tag teams. And then you had times where it was just their champions would be just two guys thrown together. Uh, what is your philosophy on tag team wrestling and your outlook for the future uh, of having two teams square off in the ring well i think tag team wrestling it's uh it's a really interesting art form and uh getting involved with them i never thought i'd get into tag wrestling just kind of fell into it but the more i learn and understand it the more i appreciate it because there's so there's so many added levels in the fact that there's just two extra people yeah i dig it yeah chemistry you know, tag team wrestling, it's you can take two good singles competitors and put them on a tag team. And that won't necessarily be a good tag team if those two those two competitors don't have the chemistry that it takes to work together as a team. And so Rick and I, you know, over years tagging together here, we've kind of developed that that chemistry. And that gives us an edge of a lot of those tag teams that are just kind of throwing together to fill a card. Um, Rick yeah. and I have tagged a they, lot. Of, yeah, go for it, Rick. They always make those mistakes. I remember Kyle Pro and JDX did it where one guy wants to get the big shot in there. Like, oh, I want to hit hit my move. You know, I got this guy. And the other guy will tag in and be like, no, I want to pin him. And then. And who won that match, Rick? We did. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they get a little too proud of themselves. Pretty sure I, pretty sure I white cloth misted Kyle Pro in the face. In that yeah, match. it was amazing. Yeah. You no. Know, there's no I in team. No. 
was about to say better uh, White Claw in the face for Kyle Pro than Cayenne Pepper, but I certainly digress. Uh, Bill, we saw you wear Double. that shirt earlier, uh, showing the camera the shirt, rather. Suffer for art. Ricky, how about you tell us a little bit about what that means and maybe inform the folks at home or in their car or wherever they may be watching this. I guess I hope they're not watching it while driving. Passively listening, maybe. Uh, what is your background in art and the various styles and etc.? Uh, I uh... I am a professionally trained wrestler and a professionally trained artist, so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to art. And when, it when suffering for art, all the great artists have to make sacrifices in order to execute their vision. You know, Edvard Munch the suffered scream. immensely. The scream, yeah. It, he, the expressionist master, had to go through so much. He almost died when he was a kid from, I think, the or something so he had a really rough life it was a uh, covid 19 but it was 1719 covid 1719 norway oi it was bad but but you learn to adjust and you learn to embrace it you realize the journey the suffering for the art is something that made you who you are and for me i embrace the fact that i've suffered for art and i want my fans to do whether whether for good reasons or not um I always say that to my opponents too, because especially when you give me some toys to play with, like, uh, you know, like it happened at a, you know, <laughs> ask the Orn Vite about it. I like to make people like that suffer for my, for my art. So it's, it's really like, it's a rally cry in a way, but it's also my intention of what I want to do to my opponents. Is that why you got into the ultraviolent wrestling? Certainly not within the uh, AWF rings. We wouldn't allow anything like that. But uh, the the suffering for art, is that what makes you want to compete occasionally here and there, uh, sometimes other states with the thumbtacks, light tubes, etc.? Yes, uh, it's something I fell into and I, I realized that having that many toys in a ring really sparked my creativity that every time I have a match that involves any type of weapons, I always end up using them in a way that I never planned. It's I've always found that when I do anything hardcore deathmatch, there's a lot of improvisation and it's really, it's really an interesting creative process to put a, ma a match together with, with so many things you can use. Guess that's only fitting considering a pro wrestling match takes place on a canvas uh, Bill, we've seen you uh, have that connection with that cat. Uh, how about you tell us about that cat, how you connect with it, and how it influences you in the ring? Well, Starl Marks is my best friend. She's my biggest cheerleader. I kiss her goodbye every time I leave the house in the morning, back when leaving the house was a thing. And I kiss her goodnight every night before I go to bed. When I'm on the mat in the ring, after experiencing a devastating move from an opponent, it's her who I imagine, knowing she's at home, licking herself, cheering me on with her feline spirit. It's what keeps me going. And I think it's, it's part of the reason that I've had some success as a singles competitor 
and that Ricky and I have had so much success as as a tag team. Mm-hmm. Snarl marks. She she's she truly is an inspiration. You know, Bill uses weapons too involving cat stuff. Don't think too far apart with that. I've I've been known to use Snarl Marks's um cat bell. It's it's more devastating than you'd imagine it would be when when wrapped just right around a clenched fist. Just as I see Tinkerbell walk into the room here of the Draper Dialogue Studios and is just crying out for attention. And I think... Uh, you let your cat in the studios? About. What's that? You let your cat in the studios? Well, yes. The the vast studio that we have here that we uh, use to produce the Draper so yeah. up in Washington County. It's uh, You can't find it on the map even. I'd, I'd just be afraid that she'd pee on all that expensive equipment. Oh, yeah. The Here in the AWF, we uh, compete right up there with uh, Tony Khan and Vince McMahon in the uh, level of equipment that we're bringing you. you Love you, Tony. Yeah, just write a check, Danucci. So we talked a little bit about each of your personas in the ring there. So how do you see your roles in the current wrestling landscape here on the independent scene in the state of Minnesota, in the upper Midwest. Uh, we see you both in the ring, some unique stuff that you bring folks, as well as in the content that you produce digitally. Uh, do either one of you want to take a crack at what you uh, see as far as you two influencing what's happening with pro wrestling right now? Well, DJ, I can't do a backflip. Um, I haven't done a backflip since I was probably 13 years old and I had the help of a trampoline to elevate me high enough into the air to where I could actually make a, a full rotation before crashing back into the earth. Um, so when it comes to putting the entertainment into professional wrestling, I'm not going to be entertaining anybody with my high flying moves. And so you got to find a different route. If you're not fast and you can't jump high and do cartwheels and somersaults, then you got to find different ways to entertain people. And that's when you have to develop or at least try to develop a personality and find more creative ways to uh, to get people interested in the, the different things you're doing, whether that's cats or claws or, you know, Ricky with his weed whackers and his, his, his murals that mm-hmm. seem to be used against him really more than he's able to use them offensively. No offense, Ricky, but you got to work on that. Um, okay, here's the thing. You, know, you can, you can kind of, you can kind of start to, to learn other avenues of entertainment that maybe you wouldn't explore if you were as physically gifted as some of our some of our wrestling peers. And the thing with that is, uh, when when I two four whatever wrestlers when they share the ring together, it's sacred. Like they say, or what is it, Walter? The ring is sacred, and it's a sacred bond. And whenever I find out that I get to share the ring with someone like Kyle Pro. I, I want people to know about that sacred bond. So I'll put out a video talking about how much I want to beat up Cal Pro, you know, and I want to make it special. So I put a lot of work into it, you know, and that's something that we're going to put together here, whether it's like making or making songs or uh, Bill's a great singer, as you know. Yeah, phenomenal. Is there a reason we pick on Cal Pro so much just subconsciously? Because he sucks, DJ. Huh? Kyle Pro, my first match. The Renaissance Ricky Norn. The first match was against Kyle Pro. 
So there's a, I'm still convinced that this tooth is going to be gone one of these days, and that's Kyle Pro's fault. Kyle Pro's butted me in the mouth during a match we had in Chippewa Falls. He also shaved my hair off. I'm sending you that dental bill, Kyle Pro. You should. One time uh, when I was uh, getting ready to introduce Nick Nelson, I had the microphone in my hand, Great and guy. that guy just grabbed it. And of course, I resist just a little bit, and damn thing went right into my tooth. And it's all right though. That's on you, DJ. Don't be blaming Nick Nelson for 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 your own dumb mistakes. Well, the natural Nick Nelson would never do anything to hurt anybody. I was just trying to do my job. That's all. Is that out of bounds? Oh. I, I just I just don't appreciate throwing the natural Nick Nelson under the bus. He's a former AWF champion, you know, DJ. Show some, some, some respect. And, and our current TV champion, and we'd certainly love to get him on the show as well if he'd make time for it. Nick, if you're watching, we're going to get you booked here, whether you like it or not, one of these days. Uh, There's no internet in North Dakota, DJ. Oh, they got to have the satellite version at least, right? Well, you... <laughs> that, that's up there. It's, it's not the type that's secure enough for telemedicine or telecommuting, but it, it's got to be some form of connection, I would imagine. Well, plus, I think the ground's still frozen up there, so at least let things thaw out you know, before you, you bother. Yeah. I think it will be the month of June when this airs, so that might be still the case. Well, there you have it. There's part one of our interview with Ricky and with Bill to Fantastic tag team wrestlers and so glad that they are starting to experience uh, the success that's paying off and what's unfortunate is we're not really able to see them in the ring right now with all of what's going on as far as the public health pandemic next up here on the draper dialogues it's part two with these same two individuals come back hope you're doing well take care everyone